Radio. I'm your host of the show, Lori LeBay, and my mom had dementia for 30 years, so believe me, I get it. For those of you that are new to our show, everyone's voice is welcome. Alzheimer's Speaks was built on the base of raising everyone's voice and connecting them to services, products, and tools, and, and stories of everyday life of living with dementia. So again, uh, welcome to the show. I do want to give a shout out because I'm so excited. I've been working with a group in Minnesota here, and we have finally um, made live our dementia-friendly um, airport. It's our dementia-friendly airports working group, and we just launched a new survey called Traveling with Dementia Airport Story Survey. And you can find that if you go to alzheimerspeaks.com. There's a big icon. Just click on that, and you'll you'll get more information about that survey. The survey will be open until September 15th, and we would love people with dementia and their travel companions to participate in that. It's a, um, The U of M is helping us here, and it's really going to be one of the first gathering of data when it comes to travel. So again, would love you to participate in that. I also want to give a shout out to Stall Catchers, so, which is a game that we can all play, and when we play the game, we're actually helping analyze data. Also, a shout out to Alzheimer's Disease International. They have a live survey right now, and they want to know, what do you think about dementia? They put together every fall a a brilliant uh, document with great data, and so if you can participate in that, uh, that would be uh, fantastic as well. And then I would be amiss if I didn't mention the um, Memory Cafe directory. If you are looking for that social support group for people with dementia and their care partners, check them out at uh, the um, memorycafedirectory.com. And uh, maybe you have a memory cafe, but you're not in the directory. Again, give a shout out to them because they'll get you in there, Dave. Uh, Dave has been very gracious about doing that. And so our U.S. directory is, is quite large at this point. But again, we still know we need more memory cafes in there. Last, before I introduce our guest today, I just want to thank all of our all of our listeners. Your likes, your clicks, and your shares have just helped us so much in terms of spreading the word of you know product services and tools that people can can tap into. And, and hearing other people's stories is just so vitally important, I think, to to all of us. And so again, um, I thank everybody. Um, deeply for for your support. Today we're going to have a discussion of uh, basically dementia care within both community settings and families. And we are lucky to have Jean Smiley with us. Um, 
1997, Jean changed careers and became a certified nurse's aide, and she worked in the field on and off throughout the years since. But in 2010, her mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and her husband started showing signs of dementia as well. Um, since 2012, Jean has set out to make a difference in terms of helping others understand the disease and what they might be facing along the lines. And she really is is passionate about shining a light on awareness and, and giving hope and tips. So welcome, Jean. How are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing good, Lori. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, excited to have you on. If you, um, I always ask people, and I and I mentioned this kind of in your intro. Um, okay. You know that your your mom had to mention your your husband was showing signs. Can you give people a little bit more history about that, and we'll we'll kind of carry on from there then. Yeah, and and it was my mom's husband. I don't want to kind of. Yeah, oh, it, you know, it's actually her husband, but that that's okay. I mean, you know. Um, yep, I I stated that wrong. I have it right in front of me that it was her husband yeah. and not you. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. And and so um, so you want me to begin with uh just a little history uh, in terms of, in maybe maybe in terms of what type of of signs were you seeing with each of them um because i think that helps our audience understand because some people might be in that place where they're wondering is is this a problem or not okay yeah um so it was i'd say maybe 2008 2009 um that you know things kind of started to change for both of them um he my mother wasn't driving uh her husband did the driving um he was starting to have you know some issues with that um and that was that was based on what she had told me what my mother had told me you know, um, but if, for instance, there was a time where they went to the mall, and it was the middle of winter time, and so there was an issue with the car, and you know, they they kind of didn't they got lost as far as trying to figure out, you know, what to do and how to get home. Um, so. You know, with within probably the last year before the diagnosis is when things like that started to go on. Um, let's see, I, you know, I kind of um, noticed that when I would go visit her, instead of her, you know, remembering anything, she was starting to put... Um, Everything that she needed to do, like she was reminding herself, she was putting it on little post-it notes. So there were there were many times where I, I would go there and I would see like ten of them up there on the refrigerator of different things that she needed to do, or up on the cabinet. Um, 
there's just you 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 when you see them and you visit you know even when you're just going out for lunch or something like that there are things that you notice in the conversations that you're having together as well um they don't seem to be on track like they should be um and so you know the subjects change too often um so depending on now i had spent i was very close to my mother when i started having children we spent a lot of time together um mostly with the kids and so it just depending on how much time you spend together i think you're going to notice that something's different more than you would if you visited them if you've seen your parent your mother your father your grand grandparents if you've seen them once a year you you may not notice but if you're with them all the time or if you talk to them on the phone all the time and you know there were many times where my mother and I we talked on the phone every day at, at least once a day so i mean you're going to you're going to know there's just something there's just something's going to tell you. you you know yeah and then especially when you visit you're going to see things like my mother was always um she was always very clean always very clean i mean she was you didn't even see if there was a dirty cup i mean you know somebody put a a cup in the sink you know 2 minutes later she's washing it and putting it away i mean there was never everything was always neat and clean so if you had a parent like that and then all of a sudden you notice that um the garbage is not getting thrown or you know um dishes are piling up in the sink i mean there's just there's things that that you just you just notice and um they may start getting more tired uh and they may start wanting to you know nap too much in the middle of the day falling asleep too much um when they were when they normally would be out all day shopping walking doing things um so any but you can't assume right off the bat that it's any kind of a a major issue like any any dementia type or anything like that you you always have to find out are they drinking enough water um are they getting enough exercise are they eating right i mean there's other factors that could could come into play but it's repeated behaviors and patterns that you start to see when when you know that you know something's wrong yeah and I, I, so go ahead oh sorry oh, oh no i was just going to say i i agree i saw the kind of the same thing with my mom she kind of pulled back socially, which she was always very social. And um, I think she was afraid of making a mistake 
Um, she stopped driving at night, which can be real common as people age, though, too. Uh, but she, uh, and then she ended up giving up her license very easily because she, she just wasn't comfortable behind the wheel. Um, she started acting different in public scenarios, and we didn't realize it was because of overstimulation and kind of confusion. Uh, couldn't order off the menu like she used to, uh, or would forget it if she was in a buffet line. If she had one plate, she'd put it down and see something else, and she'd go over to that. It, it you know, it was a lot of a lot of little things. Or um, with with mine, she was really hell-bent on having to watch Channel 4. She did not want the TV turned at all, and we finally figured out it was because she couldn't tell time anymore. But she could tell the time by the newscast, and she knew these news anchors were afternoon or evening or morning, and that's kind of how she told her day. And she didn't know how to use the clickers. She stopped you know, being able to use the phone um, or other, you know, vacuum cleaners, microwaves, um, washers and dryers, um, yeah, and just kind of pulled back and, and things things became apparent. But, you know, they built up over time because they were all subtle little things that weren't major, and then all of a sudden it just, it hits a point where something's just not right, you know. Um, that but that think, is exactly true, exactly true. Yeah, and I think as family, we want to be in denial that there could be something wrong, too. Oh, God, I mean, of course we do. Oh, of course. So, well, let's um, thank you kind of for that setup. I want to talk a little bit about your experience as a certified nurse's aide, because I'm sure you um, saw and dealt with a lot of things um, and interacted, you know, with those with dementia and their families. Um, during that period. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience there and, um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever um, would would be um, interesting for us to know as well. Okay. All right. Um, so when you work, when you work as a nurse's aide, you know, w- when you're in that industry, it is very, um, you know, it, it's very emotional um and it's 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 not easy um but okay this is this is your job um so there's a big difference between um uh, you know your job and then when it be, when it becomes personal mm-hmm. okay which you you don't expect i i didn't i never expected this at all um, but, you know, I, I just, yeah, in 97, I decided that I wanted to do something that was different than I, than what I had been doing previously before I was, I was working in accounting. I was an account manager. I was working in sales. So I did a complete turnaround, you know, with careers because I just, I just wanted something, you know, more spiritual for me. And I just happened to come across, I, I remember it perfectly. I, I was sitting at my kitchen table, and I was reading the newspaper, as we all used to do <laughs> back mm-hmm. in the day. And I seen an ad in there for um, nursing assistants. And I thought, well, you know, I could give it a try. And maybe it would be a stepping stone 
to to something else, maybe you know becoming an RN later on, or or you you don't you know or something else, but that's what it would be. And so, um, <laughs> it was different because I never did work. I had never you know in anything associated with healthcare before that. And as a matter of fact, I never even had to step into a nursing home, a long-term care, for, for any reason. So I never even saw one. I never even went in. And so my first job, I finished the course. The course was like six weeks long. Um, and I remember uh, the instructor we had, she made she made it a point to make sure that she told everybody always have good posture always you know it's going to affect your back later if you don't stand properly if you don't bend properly if you don't you know uh, 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 lift properly always bending your knees and standing in a certain position so along with the other things that we learned um, about taking care of somebody who is is elderly, you know, or, or any age, basically, in, in the hospital, um, you know, that 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 was pointed out a lot. So, um, but the the things you learn are stuff like taking vital signs and trying to be on the lookout for skin changes, you know, um, pressure ulcers are a big problem in, in, uh, uh, skilled nursing today. So, uh, we also learned, you know, how to properly, uh, feed somebody, how to properly change them, how to, um, uh, you know, take them to the bathroom, things like that, grooming, um, ambulating, so, but I got to tell you, okay, it, it, during the whole course of the training, um, there there is a book, you know, and it, it goes by chapters. You go according to book. There's one chapter on, on on understanding dementia. One chapter out of maybe 34. And that needs to change. That really needs to change. I mean, you know, everything that's being taught in the course is important. Of course it's important. But there also needs to be uh, additional training maybe, um, you know, like two weeks or something after you've started your first job, maybe while you're taking the course. Um, maybe three months down the road, there always needs to be additional dementia training because there are a lot of people that go through this course and they're, and they're thinking the same way that I did. I'm going to, you know, I want to work in healthcare. I want to be a nurse. I want, I want to take care of people, you know, um, and they last they go to their first job and they last, um, you know, two weeks, a month, and they can't give it a chance because they can't 
because it's very hard. You ha- you have to be able to, you know, understand how 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 people are feeling. You have to be able to to understand the whole system. And now, and when in '97, okay, yes, there was dementia, you know, of different types. There was, um, you know, Parkinson's and and Alzheimer's disease, but it's not like it is. It wasn't like it is today. It's much different. Um, so, you might have had an elderly person who was in long-term care because they couldn't walk anymore or use their, you know, use their gait, but they didn't have any issues with dementia. They just were safer, you know, being in long-term care than they were being at home by themselves in their own apartment. Um, So, there are more cases today of people with these additional dementia types. And so we need, you know, we need good people that they want to do this. They have the heart for it. They have the soul for it. This is what they want to do. But they're having a hard time. Like I said, they don't, you know, and it's not easy too because you don't have the kind of time. I, I've worked in assisted living. When I when I did this, I worked in um, long-term care. I worked in a hospital setting for a little while, and I also worked in home health. So I've I've been in different phases. Now in '97, there wasn't really anything called memory care. You, if you had if you needed to be in, in uh, if you had like uh, uh, any dementia type, you were maybe you would go from assisted living straight to skilled nursing. So the memory care unit is like an in-between um, a, a spot so that a person is not going straight to, you know, long-term care. They, they may not be ready for that yet, but they're, mm-hmm. they can't, live in assisted living anymore because that's their safety issues now. Um, so now, yeah, I've, I've worked in, you know, all different, uh, settings. So, um, but it's, it's different today than it was then. But like I said, we need to, you know, we need to keep good people in this setting that that wants to work and so um you know but the patient ratio per 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 aid or tech it needs to be reasonable too yeah one of the things you know you were mentioning is the, the change and i think one of the biggest changes is you know people had dementia all along but they weren't necessarily diagnosed with it back in the day i mean for not not that long ago, we still called people senile, you know, and um, they exactly. had they had different labels, and there was a belief that nothing could be done, and so they were just kind of kind of drugged, um, or they were left in oh, their wheelchairs. Yeah. The, the care levels mm-hmm. and the expectation of the care levels have have 
changed dramatically. And I think the expectation of care for people with dementia uh, to provide them with, with dignity and purpose um, and, you know, adult activities and, and all of that has changed dramatically. And, and with that has to come um, enough training to, to allow staff to be able to be knowledgeable enough to work within. And then you also get into, like you said, the staffing ratios as well um, with that. So um, thank you kind of for, for sharing a little bit um, with us on that. I, I remember, you know, my great aunt, this is before my mom, and my mom's been gone five years, lived with it 30 years. So um, my great aunt was in a nursing home, and they just called her senile. And that was when I was 13. So that was what, 47 years ago. And I mean, there was, you know, nursing homes were um, dark, dingy, smelled the urine, people were kind of left on their own. Um, I remember roll, uh, wheelchairs rolling into one another or people even being faced up against a wall and drooling. And it was just, it was such a sad state. And I walk into a nursing home nowadays and it's nothing like that. Um, but again, I think our, our expectations have changed and I think they'll continue to change and, and hopefully improve. But But with that comes the educational piece, which is, which is so significant in, in terms of how how do we help both family and professional staff not get burnt out? You know, how do we get them to, to thrive um, in those roles? Do you have any tips for that? Um, yeah, actually, well, you know, I mean, like I said before, I think there does need to be, you know, um, uh, a lot more training for, you know, for dementia care. And I think that if there was, you know, then, then people will understand. I mean, you're talking about somebody that's maybe 20 years old and they're walking into, you know, an environment like this and they're thinking they don't, they don't really know. And they're, they're thinking that they're, they're going to be taking care of, you know, um, somebody's, somebody's grandmother or grandfather and they're going to basically, you know, maybe help them go to the bathroom and, and feed them. And, and they're going to be able to do it, you know, in a way where they can spend time and do that. And, um, and it's, they'll be able to read them a book or something and everything is going to be just sweet. Mm-hmm. And that's not exactly how it's going to go. So I think people need to know, you know, Exi- you know, and, and be trained for it. Yep. And so, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to. I mean, it's kind of you know, unless you're 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 actually going through the steps with people, each one of them. It takes, you know, it takes time to explain, you know, what I'm saying. like, okay, okay, bath time, for instance. And this is important, too, because if you have no choice and you cannot keep, if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if your parents or grandparents are, are diagnosed with a dementia type, 
for Alzheimer's. And you you have, I mean, I, I think that somebody being at home for as long as possible is the best. But if you, if you have no choice, you know, like I did to start off with assisted living or go to memory care or whatever, um, you know, there, there's, you need to, when you're looking for a place, okay, uh, you need to make, I think, at least three visits to that place just, just to be sure that this is the place where you want them to go. Now, one, one of those visits, you know, you, know you, you might walk in and you're walking down the hall because you're checking things out. You know, you want it to be perfect for your loved one. And then, and then all of a sudden you might hear screaming. Okay, so you can't be alarmed by that right off the bat because it was bathing, for instance. You know, there, there might be somebody who, as soon as the water touches their skin, they, they don't like it. They don't like it, and, and they scream. And so as far as, the, and I'm trying not to, like, go off track, but as far as the dementia training goes, you're going to have a, with proper training, you're going to have a better understanding as to why, you know, somebody screams as soon as they feel a little bit of water on their skin. And maybe it's just at first, and they just have to get used to it, takes them a few minutes. I've had patients like that, you know. Um, but, you know, I, they may scream. And so you always have to, when you're looking for a place, you always have to, you always don't assume, you know, never assume anything. You have to ask questions and find, and you're walking down the hall, you hear somebody screaming, ask somebody what happened and why before you, you know, think that maybe that's not a good place. You know? Yeah. Well, I know, I know my mom used to love the water and then she had problems with the shower or bath. With bath, she couldn't really get in and out of because she, her knees were bad. And even the walk-in tubs were, weren't, you know, she still had to step up um, the way the one was situated where she was at. And then the showers, um, she would just fight him, which was just so uncharacteristic because she always liked to be well-groomed and stuff. And then I found out later that, you know, as we age, we lose our fat pads, and the water pressure actually hurt her. And then that made a lot oh. of sense. So, so uh, you know, some of the things that we did, at, and she was in a nursing home, was they changed to um, a handheld uh, rain shower head. And they could start at her yes. feet and get her used to it and then work their way up the body. And um, they could, you know, dial the pressure, too. But the rain shower heads right. are, are, are much softer and not as scary versus you're standing there and you're cold and kind of uncomfortable and you're naked in front of a stranger. And then all of a sudden, poof, you know, something hard hits you. And when you've got dementia, you might not recognize that you're in a shower and that that's water. You know, all of a sudden something's just hitting your body hard and stuff. So we have to we have to look at things in a different frame of mind in terms of what's happening. And I think one of the things that 
I still don't think most places do well is to educate family on these issues that they've been trained to take care of. Um, Right. Absolutely. You know, because I think that could help families um, be able to keep somebody home maybe a little bit longer if they know those things while they're looking. Um, Or, you know, if they do decide to move them, they're going to understand and they'll be able to support um, what is happening and do some reassurance and maybe give some other tips out for the shower, you know, like with people are starting to use aromatherapy, they're starting to pump music into the rooms, they're starting to have heated uh, floors and heated uh, towel bars, you know, um, so that they that they stay warmer, um, using different colors, uh, all kinds of stuff. They're, they're really, you know, looking at aging gracefully and comfortably in a whole different light. And they're realizing, they're starting to realize the impact of the verbal and nonverbal as as well as the physical essence of the environment that you're in and the impact that it, that it has on people, which is absolutely, you know, critical um, with that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that, that is absolutely the truth. And I, you know, I mean, we're, we're, of course we want to cure. Okay. We, we want, we don't, you know, nobody wants to even have to think about, will I, will I end up with Alzheimer's? Will I end up with any type dementia? But I think, you know, in the meantime, because that cure could be far off. That's what we Mm -hmm. want. That's what we hope for. But in the meantime, just like you said, the, the the way people are being cared for, um, you know, it it it's it's getting better, but it still needs a lot of improvement. Though there's there's things like you said that are, you know, that are uh, that have changed as opposed to the way that they used to be. Um, but we still have a long way to go with that. We really do, and there it's the little things. It's the little things that people are not thinking about, you know, like, I, like with the shower, with, there's just, there's so much more understanding that needs to be done. There's so much more training that needs to be done. And, you know, I mean, that's just the, you know, it's all about the care. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, when it comes to training that, you know, and I hear this a lot as I travel the country speaking in training and, you know, people want the, the, the training that's going to, you know, be the end all be all. It's going to fix everything. And there isn't a training out there and there never will be because every single person is an individual. Every family dynamic is different. Every community um, is different. You know, every environment is different. And so, you know, we have to keep that in mind. So I would really like to see more communities doing more diverse training um, versus just staying on one track because I I think everybody learns differently too and they take things in in a different mode. And, you know, there's there's so much to this disease. Um, And and I I just, I, I sometimes I think people get really, 
closed mind and go, well, this is how we do it here. And, you know, or this is the way we've always done it. And, you know, those are two statements that, that just make me cringe. <laughs> no matter oh, what, no matter. Oh, I know. I know. That's no matter right. what the situation is. And so I, I think we have to help people get creative and not be so fearful of trying different things. And, you know, if it doesn't work, that's fine. Share it with staff, share it with family. So everybody knows at that time we did try this and you might try it again and it, and it might work, you know, but, you know, we shouldn't be embarrassed or afraid to try to help somebody be more comfortable. But, you know, when we, when it doesn't work and, and the way that we think, then we need to, we need to openly share that too. And, you know, know that our intent is always to, to improve, but you, you can't improve if you're not analyzing and and taking in the data of what's not working. Uh, To me, you're never going to be effective if you don't look at both sides of that. And so I, I, what I see sometimes when I go around to communities is that they're not allowed to try. They're not given the authority to do anything different. Um, you know, this is, this is the way we do it here. Or, you know, that I've even heard people say, well, that's not your job. Well, why would you ever not listen to an idea? Exactly. You know, because because somebody from the outside, you know, and it might be housekeeping or maintenance or a secretary that is seeing things repeated over and over, and maybe the person working with them doesn't see, you know, that repetitiveness, but they're picking up on right. something else and has, has an idea. But when we destroy that team effort um, and that people feeling that they're valued, then they're not going to share, even if they know there might be better ways to handle something if they're not being listened to if they're if they're feeling like they're not being respected and heard so i think we have to be really careful and that can happen in a community and it can easily happen in a family as well where we just miss right. somebody you know they've always been the black right. sheep or, or the troublemaker and we're not going to let them out of that role and, and maybe they've grown up maybe they um, have some true insights or some expertise, but we're devaluing them because this is who we've always seen them as, and um, and and that can be a that can be a dangerous step for families sometimes, and and sometimes that line has to be there to protect the loved one, but there's a big difference between protecting somebody and devaluing somebody because of their because of their history. Um, and not really looking at who they are today in that moment. And I oh, think we all want to be. Yeah, oh, that's, go ahead. that's the truth. Yeah, I think we all want to be valued for who we are today and, um, you know, hopefully be forgiven for the screw-ups we made in the past because we've all screwed up, you know, and uh, different levels maybe um, within the family structure. But uh, I know in my own family, you know, I was, I was kind of it, you know, my, and my brothers allowed me to be that person, you know, that kind of lead horse and stuff. But there were things I wish they would have said to me because maybe they would have been more involved because they saw things in my behavior I didn't see or I saw differently. Like 
they saw a control freak and I saw an organized person, <laughs> you know, and there's a big difference between yeah. those two. And some of that can be excuses not to come around, but some of it can be talked through and changed too. Um, so that, so that everybody can be involved if they truly want to be involved. And so, well, you know, yeah, again, that's, that's the thing too. If they, if they truly want to be so, mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes it's hard. It's hard conversations that we have to have that that move the needle uh-huh. forward. Um, do you have tips for people who maybe have are going through some struggles, or I'm sure you went through some some personal struggles caring caring for your mom and her husband as well. Oh, I. I went through an abundant amount of struggles. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I do what I'd like. Okay, so let's see here. Um, okay. Well, I mean, when you first hear, okay, however you find out, whether you're, whether you're with your parent or your grandparent or whoever it is, that they are diagnosed with us, okay? This is something that, you know, as soon as you hear it, it, it doesn't leave you, okay? It's, it's you carry it, and I, I describe it like putting a backpack on, okay? So, and then, then, so you've, so you've got that in the back of your mind, and then you realize that this it's not going away, that there's no cure. Um, so then you have that to contend with. And so, so you have those emotions with you. And then you're the one that is taking care or helping them with care. So you you... They they may not completely understand what they were just told or what's going on. It just it it all depends on how far along, you know, what what stage they're in or how far along this is this is by the time they know. But then you're the one that's you know spending time with them, knowing while you know, you know how this is all going to end. And so you, you can't you can't carry that with you consistently and not expect something to to, you know, it, it, how, let's see how do I put it? you can't expect it to not manifest somehow, you know, for you. So you so I immediately Right as soon as you find out um, that there's a diagnosis, I I believe that you should start grief counseling immediately because you're going to be going through different stages with your loved ones, and it's going to be like you are grieving already, Not, not, not the kind of grief that you have after somebody has passed away. Your grieving process begins when they get their diagnosis. So you, so I highly recommend any kind of, um, you know, uh, group resources or or, or grief, uh, grief counseling in that way. I think that 
you have to, if you're the main person that is looking after people, I think that you need to take breaks from that, um, if at all possible, you know, when you can, because you you just can't be, you can't be, you can't be in that kind of uh, situation consistently. Um, it's just it's just going to affect you, and so you need to make time for yourself. You you really do. You have to find a way to do that. I mean, you know. Um, you know, if you're worried about them, you know, being, I always, I refer to them because I had two people together who were going through all this, you know, so, but if it's your, your mom or your dad or, you know, um, if you feel like you, you need to be away from the situation for like a week, for like a day or two, I mean, there are ways to find relief and you can hire, um, you know, a caregiver to come and sit with your mom or dad or loved one all day long. And then you could just, you could just go somewhere just for the day. Um, Did you tap into that for yourself? Makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Did you tap into that for yourself? I had to, I had to at times. It was just too overwhelming. Um, you know, I mean, and also during the time, the time that they were sick in 2011, um, you know, my youngest sister passed away too. So I, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I, I was grieving that on top of grieving, you know, um, their diagnosis and, and, and all that. So it just seems like, and on Facebook. Can you repeat that? It cut out for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I, I have a, an awareness page that I started seven and a half years ago on Facebook and based on, you know, people's messages to me and comments that it seems like for whatever reason that when you have somebody that is diagnosed and you, you get that, you know, you find all that out. It's like, there's so many other things that follow that happen Afterwards, it seems like before your life might have been a little bit more quiet, and then you go through this period where there's like ten different life changes that go on, and then all of a sudden it stops. All of a sudden it stops, and so I think that you need to. Be prepared for for anything, um, and that's why I say start with the grief counseling right away. Um, again, and make time for yourself. Always make time for yourself, you know. So you're talking um, really about about ambiguous grief when when they're still alive to so once they get diagnosed. Is that what you're referring to? 
Yes, yes. And you have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, too. You have to make sure that you're exercising, too, that you're eating right so that you can have the strength and the energy. Um, That's really important. You know, um, it's also important, too, not to involve yourself in uh, other things that are going on with other people, their problems. Um, I mean, unless it's something that is urgent that you need to take care of, but when you're you're in the midst of helping, you know, a loved one, and, and you're the caregiver, you're the... You know the the person that's helping with care. You, you you can't have other things, you know, other situations. Um, yeah, it, dementia boy. does really help help you evaluate and um, cut out some of the other drama in your life. And and I think that that's really important. Uh, you know, I, I don't exactly. I don't think drama is really good for any of us. Period. And in the fast-paced world that we're living in, it seems like it's it's spitting out at a, even a higher higher resolve um, than it has in the past. And um, but you do you have to protect yourself and and, and your loved ones from that drama because they're not going to react well to drama. And if you pretend like you're handling it, they're going to see that you're not because the person with dementia will still read all of your nonverbals. And, you know, you can walk in, like I say, with your Stepford wife smile on, like everything is fine. Um, but they're going to notice that you're twitching or that your your eyes look dark or maybe you've been crying or your, you know, your um, hands are in a fist or you're um, kind of clicking your jaw. You know, whatever it might be, how you show your frustration or anger or antsiness, they're going to pick up on all that stuff. And chances are they're going to mirror it back to you. And then you're going to blame them when they were. Oh, you'd be. Oh yeah, absolutely. You'd be surprised what it is that they, that they see. I mean, there were a couple of times where I just, just when I thought, you know, when my mother, for instance, wasn't, you know, very lucid that day, just when I thought, she would just out of the blue ask me, "Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Are you okay?" It would just come out yeah. of the blue, but it would just be so happen, you know. When she would ask me that, I had something happen that day. Mm-hmm. It's as if she knew. It's it was it was the strangest thing. Yep, yep. They're still very good at at reading us, and they want us to be comfortable. And and most with dementia don't want to be a burden, you know, and they say that and they're worried about their, their care partners and, um, and things. So I think having those honest conversations, keeping your circle of friends or your hobbies, um, whatever kind of fills you, you know, you need to do. And it's, and it's hard. I, I know for a long time I pushed it away. I thought I don't have time and that's a luxury in my life. And it's not a luxury. It's an asset you can't let go of. Um, you really need that to preserve yourself so <clears throat> that you can you can better care for them because if you're if you're empty um there's a lot of things you're not even gonna notice how you're reacting yeah. you're tired you're exhausted um what have you found life to be like after your your caregiving journey 
Um, well, it just, you know, I mean, when they, when they both, they both passed away, they, they passed away five days apart. Um, so yeah, um, everything just suddenly stopped and, you know, you, you, it's, it really, I mean, you, you, you adjust your whole you know, you you end up adjusting your your whole life, you know, to to their needs dur- during this time. Uh, there I go again. I say there, <laughs> but it, I mean, you know, for most people, it's just one individual. You know, maybe mom, or, mom or dad, you know, or one grandparent that they're. And but for me, you know, it was two. So, um, but you ju- you just you're you're so used to to doing everything with them I mean I just like even like for Mother's Day for instance you know my sons would be like well you know what are we what are we doing and I I'd be like well I'm I'm going to be with grandma today you know so if Mm -hmm. we're going to spend Mother's Day together then you guys need to come to the to the memory care because that's where I'll be just come there and we'll sit we'll play games you know whatever we need to do um, all of our lives changed. It, it mm-hmm. was different, and then when it was over, I, it's like you're you're you 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 know. It's like, what do I do now? You keep yeah. checking your phone because you know, you know what I mean. There's going to be a call. Uh, you know, one is sick. You know what I mean? You, you got to, yeah. it's a, it's a good thing too, that I, I found a place that was close to where I live. So I was able to be there if I needed to be there, like, you know, within minutes, mm-hmm. um, somebody needs to go to the hospital. They've got the flu we're, 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 I mean, you know, and so they would take my mother in the ambulance over to the hospital because she was throwing up. Um, there, there was for, for four years straight, that's what life was like for me. And plus with mm-hmm. my three kids, you know, I mean, there's always something going on with them. It just never seemed to end. And then all of a sudden it stops <laughs> and you're like, Oh, wow. And that, that affects you too, because then you're, you're grieving a whole new a whole a whole new issue that they're gone. You don't even have them yeah. to visit anymore. No matter how much went on in those four years, you know, between all of you, and it was tough. But then, but but they're gone. So yeah. you just you. That's why I say because at least if you start. The, you know the the grief counseling while you're you know in the beginning of it or while you're in the midst of it then you can continue that on afterwards and you have to you have to learn all over again like how mm-hmm. to adjust to life yeah um and just simply go back to or maybe you maybe you don't I, I didn't. I didn't go back to the old life I had. I moved forward and I started having a new life for myself. Mm-hmm. My kids got older. Um, it was very strange. And then grandchildren started coming. So it was, I mean, but, you know, 
You learn a lot about yourself, Lori. Yeah, I know when my folks passed, it was uh, I didn't know who I was because I didn't hold on to my hobbies and I didn't hold on to kind of feeling myself. I I pulled out from a lot of circles of my friends. Um, And so I, I was really lost. I was really lost for about a year. And I had to figure out who who I was going to be in this next role, and uh, it, it was a it was a very interesting interesting process. But I think it's a very common one too. And um, so you know, be be nice to yourself if you're feeling exhausted or if you're feeling confused or withdrawn. You know, you're just you got to regroup again. And you know it's the circle. It's the circle of life. I wanted to um, give you an opportunity. We've only got about three minutes left here, um, Jean. Oh boy. Um, for for people in terms of um, getting a hold of you, and you said they can reach you by email. Is that correct? Okay. So yeah, um, people can reach me by by email. Um, I also do have my Facebook. My yeah, I have my Facebook page. It's Alzheimer's disease and dementias, and I call it public enemy number one. Um, and there's a story behind calling that <laughs> the, the awareness page. But anyway, it got attention. And, and that was the whole point, right? So, um, that's what we need. We need more awareness. We need, we need good caregiving. Um, we need, we need to take care of our caregivers. If you know somebody who's a caregiver, please uh, uh, offer to sit with their loved one for them, make them dinner. Oh my God. I, I, I ate out all the time. I did, you know, I would have loved to have somebody make, make me dinner. It would have been nice. <laughs> Do mm-hmm. that for them. Yeah. Uh, take them shopping, uh, anything, take care of them. You know, um, it's really important. Um, so people can reach me any, any through, through any of those means. Um, if they have questions, I mean, there's, you know, there's always so many questions. Um, so I just, you know, you know, I'm just, I'm praying for everybody because, okay. you know, it's just, it's, um, there's a lot to learn. There's still a lot to learn. And I, I social media was a guy, as far as I'm concerned, it was a godsend because all you have to do is go on there, so wherever you go, Twitter or Facebook or whatever, type in the word dementia, type in the word Alzheimer's, and there you go. There's pages, yeah. there's groups, there's there's different uh, uh, resources for people. Although any question that you have, you know, any yeah. kind of question that you have, it's all over the board. It's wonderful. Yeah, and you can connect with a lot of different groups and see see what feels best for you and choose. So again, Jean, I just want to thank you so much for uh, for being with us today and sharing your story. Um, again, you can reach Jean by her email, which is noted um, for you, or you can go to her Facebook page as well. Thank you so much, and we'll all talk soon. Bye now. 
We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. 